listening to The Seventh Reel. This week, 1994 Australian comedy, Muriel's Wedding, directed by PJ Hogan. So, this was my pick. I, I want to start off by asking how do you both feel about this movie? So I want to know what you thought. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, well, I loved it. I really, really had so much fun watching it. It was the kind of funny that it's like, it's goofy but at the same time yes. like smart so uh so i this is like exactly what i look for in comedy i'm very happy to hear that like uh, that is, that's what i was thinking mm-hmm. when i was watching i was like you said we'll probably find some of the jokes really good yeah oh my god like the tumor thing and the doctor's like yes <laughs> she's like what <laughs> i have cancer <laughs> that, that i uh it, but it, you know what's uh, struck me as very odd is that it's super dark as well yes like the things being explored are extremely dark and though it's like kind of like one of those things where like um an american movie like 50 50 that seth rogan joseph gordon levitt movie will do like a a dark thing but it's still a comedy it's not as tonally like silly as this one you know what i mean and maybe that's the difference like an australian slash british humor is that it goes all the way dark like the the mom committing suicide all of that stuff it it was heartbreaking but it was still like i i remember mostly laughing during this movie so uh so it's very strange to like describe to someone what the plot is and then be like whoa whoa, whoa, but it's hilarious you know what i mean so it is hilarious it is hilarious despite Mm -hmm. the uh subject matter does it did it surprise you like like when it starts taking those turns yet I think that what I appreciate most about it is that it never lost the tone despite taking like very sharp narrative turns into something uh, something darker. Mm-hmm. It still feels very optimistic and that's I think supported by the visual palette of the movie as well. Mm-hmm. Apparently this is one of Ridley Scott's favorite movies and I find that I thought that's a really interesting. Uh-huh. So Michelle, what did you think of it? I I'm conflicted because I think it was funny, but it's just some of the stuff was just very problematic and mm-hmm. I didn't really like it. But I also think this is sort of the best I don't know if you can call it feminist But like the best you could get in the 90s Mm. But like it did have some good points Like the fact that it's Toni Collette right Yes Like her body was not an average stick thin body Which is Mm. refreshing to see Not you don't Mm. see that anymore very much Mm -hmm. Or even then Yeah But like the whole like disabled friend arc I did not like Because they basically (laughs) just created a disabled person for a plot device Which i don't like that uh that's definitely one of the things i was also like squirming through but it was like still like the humor carried me through that stuff but yeah anyways yeah it did lead to my favorite joke in the movie is that when her um her horrible friends if you can even call her friends the people from the girls from uh, from her from their hometown approached her her friend in the wheelchair and they had and, and she told and the friend told them, them, them i have cancer and one of the friends went like oh she was so full of life he was so full of life it's like yeah. i'm not dead yet it's so yeah. great the um the, the thing about the friend becoming like a more of a plot device i kind of i felt very com- uncomfortable about that as well although i would argue the movie does enough to kind of maintain her friend's agency throughout the entire thing 
because uh, they didn't entirely make her too like she doesn't she's not a completely different character because of what happened to her they could have easily kind of just written her to be like a, a sharp contrast between the before and after but i think they maintain enough of the character's wit and spirit to not People... make it too obvious as like a plot device but if that didn't happen then like mm-hmm. like the friend wouldn't have needed her in the same way yes. and therefore like her realizing that she Catalyst doesn't, change. doesn't yeah. need to be married to be worthy is like a mm-hmm. thing like mm-hmm. that wouldn't have happened that all falls apart if she doesn't have cancer or is disabled but i mean mildly progressive in that you know a sort of main character disabled person yeah and, and to, i think it's more it's even more different in that they they started out not being this way i, I think, don't think so that's usually the thing you rarely friends. see like they start out disabled they maintain disabled and I they're see. also a main character like that is extremely rare name one thing that does that mm-hmm. um is forest comp thing <laughs> I guess Forrest Gump I am Sam yeah. well he the, oh that was that don't watch that that's embarrassing to watch with Sean Penn trying, oh, um. who's disabled in Forrest Gump Forrest Gump right <laughs> isn't he isn't he supposed to be a little bit slow but it's hard to tell with that though like if mm. <laughs> maybe he's just from the south he could just be <laughs> naive and uh, and like mm-hmm. uh, up, not optimistic but whatever the word did you guys like the abba oh yeah that's one of the things i really liked yeah yeah i love the performance when the hair and her friend went on to do the lip sync of uh was it waterloo i think it was waterloo Mm -hmm. and you can tell that you can it's the first time you really see the character really open up and initially i love it the contrast between initially when the song starts that she looks genuinely doesn't look like she wanted to be up there but then the power of abba takes over and she gets really into it she starts smiling and she's and she starts dancing i thought that was wonderful and the movie is deceptively well directed visually there's some actual um it looks garish i think the, the early i think the or early mid 90s like bright color palette it looked terrible it, i do not want to live there everybody had a has a terrible haircut but was it i think he lever- directed by a woman? was it it's uh, a man actually pj hogan who funnily enough is the same director as confessions of a shopaholic i went and checked I was like, wow, what an interesting career shift. And he did a um, film he also called did the, Mental, huh. which I've uh, seen, movie. and I gave three stars on IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> so it must have oh, been bad, boy. but I don't remember it at all. He also did My Best the Friend's Wedding. The 2003 Peter Pan. Oh, yeah, and that, yeah. I, which I've seen multiple times. Multiple uh, times. Lovely performance. Yes, it was a big hit in Taiwan when it came out. Mm-hmm. Or at least it was a big hit in my family local apartment theater, mm-hmm. like community theater, where they just kept playing it. I didn't like that all the women just had like this very catty high school like just mm. attitude towards everything you don't feel like that's very true to life to people like f- stuck in home their their small town their entire lives oh i don't know i mean most of the people i know who like still live where i grew up they have they love it. Mm. <laughs> they love I don't it. know why, but they do. <laughs> uh-huh. um, so, like, it's not an experience I'm familiar with. <laughs> well, uh, uh, did you know? Okay, well, let's do a trivia section now. Mm-hmm. The trivia that Tony Collette gained forty pounds in seven weeks for this role. That must be like the funnest she... part of the job. Yeah, but that's insane to me that she gained. I thought she was like already that yeah. was her body type, and then she lost weight later on because she was an actress and stuff so i don't know but it's very interesting and second trivia is uh, as arvin mentioned this is one of ridley scott's 
favorite films. It's I find that very interesting because I've never seen him make a movie that's very based on just mm-hmm. very kind of more uh, narrow human drama mm-hmm. or muted. He do exclusively sci-fi? Well, no. He, well, he did do a movie where Russell Crowe when an Ill, goes to mm-hmm. Italy or France to drink wine with Marion Cotillard mm-hmm. for like an hour. Well, a good year. He did that. I so I'm still so I've can't... never seen a picture of Ridley Scott. And in my head, he's mm-hmm. like because I always thought it was a woman. In my head, it's still a woman. And <laughs> so I why? generally think if I never see a picture, I can still believe that it's a woman. <laughs> That's why I hesitated to say he. Cause I'm like I don't I don't want it to be. <laughs> You're <real>. sure. <laughs> Well, um, Unfortunately, he is very much a man. Yeah. Uh, um, Eric Bano was considered for the role of Bryce. Ooh. That was also... He would have made it. He would have been good. Did you know who actually played that? You said, do you recognize the guy? The blonde uh, South African swimmer? Uh, no. He's, no. What is... He's Rob yeah. Delaney's American friend in Catastrophe. Oh... Yeah. Wow. Crazy. I almost wanted to tweet him. It's like, are you a fan of Muriel's wedding? Because he probably had. He probably is based on like like how much this show does share some similarities in terms of making like comedy out of more darker aspects of life. But, yeah. yeah. You should ask. Him. That's that's a trivia. I sh- I really wanted to tweet him to ask that. I think he would like he respond. <laughs> He's on Twitter a lot. That's his whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's his whole. What did you think about that arc with the with the swimmer though? I for some for a little a part of me really wanted uh, her to stick with him because it felt like they really con- they actually kind of connected towards the end. Yeah, but they connected on just the, their worst instincts. Like that yes, was their they, commonality, they which is I mean kind of profound. But by the end, when she's leaving him, he genuinely looked like damn, like I let her go. Mm-hmm. Like damn, this is this is this really special girl. Um, it's because there was there was a glimpse of that. No, because if like he'd just been like, yeah, whatever, go, I don't care. It doesn't have the same weight of her changing. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. See, that's I true. I don't I would have preferred if this was like written at least by a woman because mm-hmm. this is all because now it just seems like this man just thinks women are hyper fixated on marriage, which you know. <laughs> yeah. would, it's yeah. pretty brought up you're pretty brought up to be like mm-hmm. that it's a typical thing mm-hmm. even though yeah. i don't know many people who actually want that but it seems just like i don't think she wants that she realizes that isn't that her epiphany realizing that she doesn't want that what she actually just wants is to belong and to have something to hold on to she has something to hold on to right no i don't yeah, think or... that's like what she has a realization because that's that that's breakdown like because i'm thinking about that her breakdown in the uh when her friend confronts her yeah um, trying to she's, like, she's like why can't it be then i'll have changed if if that yes uh... like she just sees that like she doesn't really want love or marriage she just wants acceptance of some sort that's kind of what i really kind of her mental breakdown i i get your point michelle though like it's very it's very strangely like pro this kind of mentality but i i don't know if it's necessarily advocating it i i always thought yeah like oh no no yeah i agree with that i don't think Mm. it's advocating i just think it's done in a way that seems kind of insensitive Mm -hmm. that like Mm. yeah Mm. a woman's worth is associated with being married which yeah is an issue but like is it really his place to bring that up and in this way yeah. that's like that's, that's i mean true. it's still dark but it's funny and i don't know i just didn't like that how yeah. much of that do you think how much of this do you think feels kind of autobiographical well he's I not think, a woman he's not a woman but i'm talking know. more in terms like, of the family maybe. dynamic and yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that felt a little bit like especially the mom stuff i don't like it's so dark 
and it's so specific. I'm like, wow, he, this feels like kind of rooted in something, but yeah. With the mom and like the dad, because like she wants the wedding, but she doesn't want the marriage. Basically, mm. is what she's got. Mm-hmm. But then she gets the wedding, and she but she has mm-hmm. to have the wedding to sort of realize she doesn't want the marriage, mm-hmm. which is a weird way of going about it like giving her exactly like i know it's you know you're giving exactly what she wants but she is having a great time at her own wedding oh yeah she like was. she's not really learning much from the, that experience she, <laughs> she's just having a great time yeah it's what about ha- it's about what happens afterwards right like so you had your wedding now what is that like once you got once you got what you want although to be honest like the way she was portrayed after the wedding she seemed pretty settled in yeah exactly <laughs> which go yeah which goes to show i think that i think from you can see it from the point that oh she to it's a further demonstration on how getting what he does is resolve anything she hasn't changed but then because it's, of it's it. like to show that. is the mom's suicide the thing that makes it change which is again are you using yes. suicide as a plot point which is uh, very okay. also yeah, I, I sensitive can, yeah that's true is there an ice, ice cream truck? Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like I closed the window. It just kept coming. <laughs> Overall, I I think well maybe this is also because I was like in the same headspace of I was reading a book about grunge music in the '90s, and then I watched mm-hmm. this documentary about the Seattle and the grunge music in the 90s so my headspace was very like in the 90s kind of thing so watching this felt like just an extension of me oh re- yes. yeah yeah so it didn't aesthetically and thematically mm-hmm. yeah yeah and uh, it was it was actually a very uh, fun experience so mm-hmm. so I, I you noticed the colors and stuff like that like you said i but to me it was just like like when you watch like an 80s movie and there's like like all those like 80s little nuggets of you know stuff like that but it didn't like feel like gimmick and not gimmicky but, uh, but like not like too uh, foreign or weird or mm-hmm. yeah so so i enjoyed this quite a bit uh, did you guys like the look of the chinese restaurant they go to i love it yeah it, it looks so like plasticky and overdone it, it feels like one of those chinese restaurants you see in canada like, <laughs> you go into, like wow okay it's just the <laughs> it's for white people like i get it but um yeah i i loved all the performances tony collette is fantastic i think she this i can see why she's like a like a very even i think i only really started paying attention to her her filmography after hereditary this she's really really good at this to a scary degree like when i don't think and as an act i think it's a very brave performance for an actress like you said michelle like the fact that she can wait and also how she's not will she's willing to let her face like express the emotion that she's feeling disregarding the fact that it may look unattractive or like like it's distorted at the moment she's willing to go there to to try and get that emotion across and i thought that was awesome especially compared to other films i've watched recently with when when women are crying and it looks like it's just going to look very very pretty while doing um yeah i really enjoyed it as well and i love the abba music cool shall we take a break yeah okay back now on to my personal favorite segment who framed roger ebert you said did roger even write a review for this <laughs> yes he did. he did yeah awesome yeah um he thinks muriel's wedding has a lot of big and little laughs in it but also a melancholy undercurrent 
which reveals itself towards the end of the film in a series of surprises and unexpected development. The arc of its story involves Muriel's discovery of herself and a developing faith that she can have a good time, make friends, and be valued. The film's good heart keeps it from ever making fun of Muriel, although there are moments that must have been tempting. And the casting of minor characters, including Muriel's sister with the naughty, naughty smirk, is flawless. You're the worst, Muriel. I love it. It's very quotable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was so funny. So he loved it. He gave it three and a half stars out of four, I think. Cool. It's good. Yeah. Do you th- a lot of you see a lot of like indie comedies these days? I is this the start of the mumblecore? I'm trying to pinpoint when what like at what point did this whole oh. genre start spawning? And because they suck now, most of them suck. That's the problem. Yeah. Like most of them mm, are either yeah. too depressing or too rely on jokes that when the depressing stuff comes in, it doesn't it feels completely out of place and not natural or organic to the story at all. This is a perfect I don't balance. No, I would I would think this is a good example of someone doing it you know like um like whenever a a movie breaks ground uh, or uh, in some sort of genre and creates mm-hmm. its own subgenre and then there's like you know a bunch of imitations that are always that always feel like copies of copies mm-hmm. so this feels like one of the original yes. wave of it where it's like an actual good version of it i thought so do you think Judd Apatow could do something like this uh maybe around 2005 but i'm not so sure now that's not yeah because honestly i i still find knocked up to be a very good movie it's i liked it but i uh i don't i don't care for the recent ones at all Cool. Much well, like uh, Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe is part oh. of uh, probably one of those guys who, who, who that's kind of a contributor to that genre, right? Or do you... I, think, I think Cameron Crowe is more mainstream. Like, if you look at maybe mm-hmm. like Jerry Maguire, that's oh, I see. broad okay. appeal sort of the deal, I think. A bit more, a bit broader in terms of, like, this feels a bit more niche in terms of the comedy style and the darker subject material. This feels very Australian. Yes, it's also yeah. incredibly Australian. I haven't Australian. watched much Australian stuff, but I know the TV show Please Like Me has this similar blend of, like, comedy mm. and darkness. That's so interesting. There's, like, a national identity to humor. I see that with, like, uh, in Egypt, the humor here is... Mm-hmm. It's not it's not self-deprecating. Like, it's very... Like, the humor is either slapstick humor or kind of, like, roasty type of things like people are always like wait yeah this guy uh you know he's so fat he could eat a whole watermelon and something uh, whatever a joke would be that would be a roast so i i it's very it's very strange where where those things evolve and why it's kind of a mystery but yeah my impression my impression of australian humor is that it's so sunny outside that they can handle really depressing <laughs> topics yes <laughs> okay so the weather's so nice <laughs> isn't it sunny in yeah. Egypt though yeah yeah but there's a lot of um, political turmoil <laughs> historical so baggage I- to kind of come with <laughs> all that sun yeah yeah, so I don't I don't know if it's but I I do remember there was like the John Stewart uh-huh. of Egypt that guy and he pretty much was like exiled. So oh I know the God. commentary humor is not like a big thing here. So I I think that's part of it why slapstick mm-hmm. is kind of, you know, and uh and roasting is is 
well, I guess roasting, but not like you know authorities. <laughs> or, oh yeah, uh, yeah. But do, uh, what about the British identity mm-hmm. of humor? Is it just classified as darker? Or? I don't know. I just feel like it's got so many branches. You can there's so many different yeah. times. There's like the dry yeah. humor, the self-deprecating. There's you know political everything. It's hard to define. What those. about Taiwan? Well, it's more political. I think a lot of Taiwanese humor is... It's a country that can't separate itself from its politics. Yeah, because it can't like, separate the, itself the, the inherent, Yes. Well, <laughs> the, the inherent national identity carries, like, a political... Like, already a political... National identity carries, like, a political baggage. So, like, we... The humor inherently will wrap itself around that. So, you know, your hu- Everything we say, it's kind of tinged at mocking our politicians and... We just mock everyone. We get to do that. We, 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 we revel in the democracy in that we're about to like just talk shit on, on, at like our local leaders so yeah that's kind of where it's kind of more based we also love slapstick our actual taiwanese comedy films are terrible and it's widely agreed that they're terrible but uh <laughs> we still keep watching them we still keep making them because yeah we love dick jokes so much mm. we're very crude <laughs> in terms of our humor do seth rogan movies do well oh yes yes we oh, love seth wow. rogan like you, you we love seth rogan i'm sure <laughs> yeah we love seth rogan and we love mr bean mm. oh that's so interesting mr. Bean's great. mr bean's great we love mr bean we think he, we think he's he's like a national like he's a national pride from her from england as far as we're concerned all right uh shall we move on to our next segment our recommendations for the week what we watched yeah. oh we're doing what we watched okay all right uh what we watched this week let's just go lightning round yusuf what did you watch this week i watched a documentary called hype about the grunge music scene and how they hate saying the word grunge and i watched <laughs> kill bill volume one and two because uh, which one do you like better now i like two still <laughs> mm. way more but that's it no i watched the steven soderbergh movie too yes that's how did it. you like that yeah that's what i thought yeah it's kind of like the last one what you said michelle i when i finished this i was like what what was the point of this (laughs) so so, i don't i don't know i like seeing brandon fraser in movies again he was in it yeah he's the the handler in the beginning oh my god that's him i didn't finish it yeah yeah is he wearing a fat suit or is brandon fraser just let himself oh no he let himself no but that's also like it's really sad what happened to him apparently his like wife like totally fucked him out of like a lot of money and he's had a large time like really hard time finding roles in hollywood Aww. like post the mummy and yeah it's really sad but he, i'm glad he, he but he's been making a revival on tv and mm-hmm. I, I think it's cool to see him in a, in a movie now i didn't finish it so i was actually just wondering what you guys thought mm. it's okay yeah. is it worth yeah. uh i like the cast a lot i think it's, yeah, it's not a b- bad way to waste like an I afternoon see. Cool. But yeah. Alright, Michelle, lightning round. What have you watched this week? Uh Supernova, which mm-hmm. I just want to tell you about the the opening scene because it's great. Well, cool. it's I just the opening credits, mm. I guess. So it's because one of the guys plays the piano in it and so you just hear it like a piano key play and then a star appears, like a dot, and then he plays another one and another one and more stars appear with each note and then it gets faster and faster and faster until an entire sky of stars has appeared which is fun mm, but really the, cool. the film felt very like uh unnecessary very dragged out for the sake of sadness but mm. it didn't really land as well as like a, a sad film could do and colin Firth's really old <laughs> um so yeah is really old. Sandy Tucci is also really old. Yeah, but he ages he, quite he well. Seems... Colin Firth doesn't. It's... And he's got this horrible yeah. beard too. <laughs> 
Cool. Anything else? No. Okay. Well, I watched one film this week, and I regret it. Yusuf, can you guess the one big movie I would have watched this week? The New Tomorrow War. Oh watch- wait, I watched two bad movies this week. I watched two bad movies this week. Oh my god, oh my I wasted god. so much of my life. I watched Amazon Prime's The Tomorrow War. Horrible. <laughs> horrible and i watched black widow and the the only thing i'll say about black widow is that the screenwriter happily claimed that he finished the first draft first draft in 10 days and uh boy it shows <laughs> it shows they didn't give much of a pass on this one but um yusuf the only reason i will recommend the tomorrowland to, uh, tomorrow war to you is that cousin gail from it's always sunny shows up in the first act and she was by far the best part of the movie <laughs> it's great whenever she's on screen the movie the movie cracks because she's really funny and like the, the, the scenario they've been thrown in is absolutely ridiculous and she completely commits to it it's awesome and then she dies spoiler she dies and the movie is just about chris pratt who is the worst actor working at this moment and and i want yeah just one i'll just talk about one thing okay there is a scene where he goes he travels to the future and he realizes that the commanding officer over the radio that he's been speaking to throughout his first mission is actually his daughter but older because he's in the future so it's interstellar. right and there's yes inter, exactly it's interstellar but worse because you know how the interstellar worked because that that of that scene with michael mcconaughey just like sobbing over like the the montage seeing like his daughter grow up and him not being there for any of it and he sells it because an, he's an excellent actor in this movie the there's that the, the daughter reveals herself to, like to be his daughter and it, the camera pushes in to chris pratt's face and all he could do is just frown like that was his like his one reaction in in this in his one acting trick in his in this entire movie is just to frown at the camera and he doesn't sell it it was horrible and it completely tanked the movie and that's all i'll say about it terrible anyways black widow is good be- is only good because florence Pugh is a total total cutie and she's really and really she's good sold out, so we and hate that's- her now. <laughs> okay and <laughs> she sold out we hate her now yeah. but um, yeah, that's it. That's what I watched this week. Horrible. Disappointment. Never trust Hollywood. Anyways, let's move on to our recommendations. Yusuf, uh, what would no, you recommend? No, no, you guys start. Oh, you guys start. I go. Um, you, mm. Michelle, do you want to go? Uh, I don't know what I want to recommend. I have, I have one locked in. I have one locked in. Oh, yeah. Then you go. Uh, my recommendation this week in the com- in the, as a companion piece to Muriel's Wedding is uh, But mm-hmm. I'm a Cheerleader. That's I think what I was thinking 19- of. I knew that. This is what I call a preemptive strike because uh. I know we're both going to arrive at the same conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> This is a, I think it's 1995, 1996 1999. film starring, uh, 1999 film starring Natasha Leone. Leon. Is that how you spot her? Say your last name. She's who is wonderful in this. And it mm-hmm. shares a very similar garish color palette to Mario's Wedding. But it's all very intentional and all very stylistic. It's kind of, it deals with relatively heavy issues. In a very safe, in a very similar, heartfelt and lighthearted way, and as a total, and as a total sap, the very, very romantic ending completely won me over, and I will absolutely recommend it because it also has a very cool soundtrack, and Tasha Leone is wonderful, and also a very brief appearance of Julie Delpy from the Before trilogy as credited as lipstick lesbian. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Well, should I go or Michelle? Up to you. Have you found one? Yeah, it feel it feels like uh, wrong not to recommend this though, Mom. 
Mamma Mia. So oh, yes. <laughs> it's about a wedding. Have and it. <laughs> The musical a, is uh, inspired because of this movie. Like the musical happened oh, really? in the first place because of this movie's success with the ABBA songs. What about uh, Mamma Mia, Here I Go Again? That <laughs> that's just because I think that's more based on the success of Mamma Mia. Oh, right. Okay. Shash shows up in that right, one, doesn't then. she? Yes, she does. Uh, she sees Fernando okay. with uh, Andy Garcia. Yeah. <laughs> I really, I really want to watch my big fat Greek wedding at some point. <laughs> Maybe that's uh, <laughs> something I could have recommended if I had. Feels like a very similar vibe. I think although this, I'm sure yeah. this is more, a lot darker. Mm-hmm. Michelle, have you thought of a recommendation? Yes. So mine is Girlfriends, the 1978 film, where mm-hmm. it's about these two girls who live together, but then one of them gets married and then has to learn how to live alone. Mm-hmm. But it's directed and written by a woman, so we've seen this, haven't we, we Michelle? It together, so way more feminist. If that's what you want. Nice, nice. This looks good. It is. It, it was- reminds me of that that Agnes Varda movie. I forget I what still it was called. Never watched any of her stuff. Really? Oh, we should totally watch uh, something like Cleo. Yeah, it kind of has a similar vibe. Mm. Or no, 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 I mean uh, one sings, the other doesn't. That's the one I'm thinking of. Oh god! All right, so uh, what are we watching next time, Michelle? Michelle? This will be your yes. pick this week. We're gonna watch Promising Young Woman, mostly because oh, I don't think Yusuf will watch okay. it if I don't make him. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. No, no, no. That, yeah, that's great. Yes. <laughs> um, you said look out for a brief appearance. From Schmidt, oh, yeah. the new girl in this movie. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. He's in it for it's like incredible. A good 15, 20 minutes, isn't he? 15, 20 minutes, but at one point he does this reaction. It's the same it's guy. So it's the same it's character. It's the same Schmidt. Uh, <laughs> and you just kind of like lose. Honestly. You just kind of lose like which movie you're in. Like, what am I watching from three seconds? Uh, all right. Shall we See call you. it a day? Stay real. safe, everybody. Okay. Keep it real. Bye. Bye bye. The 730 is hosted by Arvin Huang, Michelle Hassel, and Yusuf El Bashir. Logo by Joe Conti. Our ad break music is composed by Yusuf Sui Lim. And our outro music is composed by Yahya El Bashir. Thanks for listening.